You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a little bit of Zen along the way. A little bit of self-improvement along the way I'm going to get to on this show why I just said that. We're going to review the Stanford University definition of Zen. It's pretty cool. It's by their philosophy department. They know their stuff. Anyway, I am leaving the pool, but first I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the bike. I was um, trying to knock out a ride last night and it was just kind of okay, but the, all the windshield wipers are, uh, are going on the vehicle. The, uh, the thing that was uh, really interesting is starting about a couple of weeks ago, it's mixing in uh, more standing and climbing. Felt like my feet were healed up enough to be doing that, and it seems to really, really help balance out the load and make you uh, more, more stronger uh, overall. Uh, well-rounded, more well-rounded, and which ends up making you uh, more injury proof and all that stuff so it was uh, it started happening towards the end of longer rides like a two-hour ride standing climbing the chain would skip and I'm almost fall off the bike ever been on a um, stationary bike and the chain skips man you almost crash into everything around you and I've got a whole setup with little tables around me with water bottles and all kinds of crap and that would not be good. And I yell, and then Emily and Kai and the dog, one dog, one dog doesn't care. Uh, another dog comes rushing in. Like, what, what? Because I've yelled and almost crashed, standing still. And so the chain's skipping. And so I thought, well, it's uh, probably my chain's getting stretched. You need to replace your chain every once in a while because it gets stretched out. And then it doesn't mate up with the gearing the teeth on your on your uh, cassette or eventually on your front chain ring and under heavy load like standing and climbing you'll uh, get some skipping and and also poor shifting and stuff like that which was happening too and I've known this for a while you know duh <laughs> been riding bikes forever and my uh, one of my last trips to the bike shop months ago I bought I got tired of taking the chain taking a bike in and them going oh yeah your chain stretched out and they do this and I they showed me the I eventually got them to show me the tool and so that was years ago and then so finally one of the last times I was at the bike shop I bought a chain measurement tool which shows you how how stretched your chain is it's really easy to use and it's just a piece of metal that's cut it's stamped it's stamped cut and so, and it, I don't remember how much it costs, but it doesn't cost that much because it's so simple. That's it. It's just a piece of metal, like a ruler that has a hook on it. It has two hooks. Well, it has three hooks. 
but you hook it and if you can hook it then your chain is okay but once it starts having difficulty then your chain's not okay because your chain's stretched out and the hooks are fixed length and if your chain is longer than the fixed length it won't the hook won't go over the the uh, chain link that you're aiming for so instead of taking my bike to the bike shop i measured my chain and it was so stretched it was beyond what the the uh, thing could measure and i've had this happen before the last time i took my bike in the bike mechanic it's kind of like going to the doctor and when the doctor goes hey doc come check this out to like other doctors down the hall um that's bad <laughs> never seen a tumor like this one this big uh they hung them i chain up on the wall my used chain versus a new chain and my used chain was like a full link longer than a new chain even though it was the same number of links that's how much the chain had stretched uh, over time and it's like okay and I'm a bigger dude um, 185 pounds and I do a lot of intervals and stuff like that well I went into the uh, bike shop and got a new chain and I got a new cassette too thinking that because uh, my bike is kind of loud uh, with the when you pedal things aren't matching up so the big concern is is you're gonna ruin a rear cassette by um, by you know using a um, a chain that doesn't match well eventually you wear out the teeth on your cassette and then they don't work right so I bought a rear cassette too I bought, I bought a nice one an Ultegra 11 speed uh, 1125 because it's relatively flatter around here in a manner of speaking and the um, the funny thing the the not funny well the funny not funny thing was I was gonna do my I was showing Kai like how to how to measure a chain and how to get your how to get the chain off and how to do all this stuff so he knows how to this is my 14 year old son so he knows how to uh, maintain a bike and he's like only so only paying attention out of some kind of lame courtesy to me you know he's like all right dad I got it uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like man at least I don't care that he's not really paying attention he's at least seen it that this is something that you can do and, and it's bike maintenance is actually pretty simple once you know how just somebody has to explain it to you and I managed to totally screw up uh, I needed to take links out of the new chain new chains are usually a little bit too long and I needed to take links out of it so that uh, it would match up with my bike and you know I measured out the old I counted the links in the old one and then counted the links in the new one and you know make sure I got the right number so I needed to re remove like four links and I have a chain brake tool but it's one that's on a bike it's on a bike tool so it's kind of a mini one so it's not all that amazing it just it just kind of work, works pretty good out in the field well something about the chain that I bought had hollow pins in it to make it lighter this is a nice chain sort of and it hold on I'm adjusting my windshield wipers my chain tool messed up I, it did mess up I messed up and 
not only did I manage to screw up breaking the chain, I also managed to put a quick link into the outside of a, of a link that it would not work on. Like it was just a complete mess. And so after like an hour of, uh, trying to, trying to, um, work on the chain, I managed to uh, break off a pin in the chain and it shot across the kitchen and I heard it go dink, dink, dink into the uh, metal of the kitchen sink <laughs> and it disposal. And, um, this was a couple days ago. And then last night, Emily was running the disposal and you could hear this. Ding, 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 ding. The pin is tiny, right? But it's steel. It's tiny. There is no way. Oh, there's an accident over here. There is no way that you're going to. Um... Oh, man. Yeah. There's a little, quite a little accident over here. There's no way you're going to get this little piece of metal out that I know of. So it's. I guess it's just going to have to work its way down the disposal somehow. I mean, it's super, super tiny. It's a pin in a chain. And anyway, Emily, <laughs> I was like, what is that? I was like, oh yeah, I was changing the chain. That pin went in there. She's like, damn it, Brett. <sighs> so anyway, I finally, I was worried I was going to have to take my bike in and bear, you know, all embarrassed and be like, okay, I, I messed up. I actually do know how to make it you know, how to change a chain and break pins. I just, something about it, I messed up. And they'd be like, really? You do? You do know how to change, <laughs> change out a chain? Because obviously you don't. But anyway, I got it done uh, with some ingenuity and got a new chain on my bike. And I started pedaling and it was shockingly silent. And I didn't put the cassette on yet. I was like, I'm going to hold on to this cassette because I'm just under the belief. This is what practicing uh, logic, good logic uh, and mindfulness will help you with. Is you're like, is this a fact or is this a belief? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't know that the cassette is worn out. So I'm going, there's a way you can look at it and kind of tell, sort of. But uh, the teeth get kind of hooked and stuff. They get worn out. And I was like, I'm just going to uh, put the new chain on and see how that works out and it, it was great so i didn't need to use the cassette so i put that in the garage and storage for when i actually do need it oh and on cassettes uh, if you don't care about weight um you can get a steel cassette versus kind of like an aluminum alloy cassette and the ultegra is to make it lighter i think it's aluminum alloy sorry about the windshield wipers there and it will um It'll wear out faster, right? It's softer, so it wears out faster. But Shimano 105, I think I've got a cassette either on the on the trainer. I've, my trainer has a dedicated cassette on it. It's either the one on the trainer, either I got smart and put it on there, but Shimano 105 is steel. So it is not going to wear down anywhere near as fast. Now it's heavier, but you know, whatever. So, uh, a tip for you is if you get a trainer or a, a bike that you don't really, uh, care about the weight, like it's an old beater bike and you don't really race it or anything like that, but it's like your, your, uh, dedicated trainer bike or whatever. And you have to put a new cassette on it, uh, put a steel cassette on it, like a Shimano 105 
and you're not racing on it. So who cares about the shifting performance that it's a millionth of a second slower changing gears than the uh, high end like Ultegra stuff. And let's see, that's it for now. Uh, next, I hope we're going to cover uh, Stanford and their view on Zen. It totally blew my mind for for a moment. I was like, oh, whoa, that is really cool. And I wanted to talk about it on the show. So hold on just a second. All right, all right, let's record the Stanford bit. I actually recorded an effort at it last night and I had my headphones on across the room. So I have like half an hour of me sounding like I'm 30 miles away and yelling. (laughs) I sat down to edit it last night and I was like, oh man, again. That's the beauty of podcasting is you get to practice failing and then trying again. All right, so Stanford has a write-up on what is Zen, and I found it to be absolutely so fantastic and useful. And what happened was there was people arguing about Zen on the internet. Can you imagine that? And somebody said, the big, the biggest debate is, is Zen Buddhism? No, it's not. Does, should people meditate when they practice Zen? No, they shouldn't. Yes, they should. Yes, it is Buddhism. Back and forth. Everybody thinks that they know the answer. And it was so cool to see a major university, a leading major university, uh, their philosophy department, and probably somebody that is very experienced with comparative religions. And I think that that's where you really learn a lot about any kind of culture or religion or any kind of science or philosophy is comparative because then you can see the holes in one and and the benefits of the other and gaps and things covered and it teaches you how to think it's pretty good stuff we've got misting rain i'm going to try to run the windshield wipers here every uh, few seconds or so anyway the uh The first thing that jumped out to me, oh, go check this out, Plato. (laughs) My accent probably just made that sound terrible. Plato, Plato, P-L-A-T-O dot Stanford dot edu. And then they've got a search engine. Search for Japanese Zen Buddhism. And the first thing that jumped out to me was the very first sentence. And it was this This version of Zen, this Zen practice, this version of Buddhism is an attempt at perfection of personhood. You're kind of like, what? And it's self-improvement. That's actually what it is. It's one of the oldest (laughs) methods of self-improvement. Like five tips to improve yourself. Productivity, all that stuff. And... A lot of this has to do with the fact that when uh, Westerners first encountered Zen, it looked like a religion. Um, It's very ritualistic. There's people, it looks like praying, they're bowing, and they are kind of praying. You can turn anything into a religion, right? You can turn triathlon into a religion. There's a saying where uh, people like to take a perfectly good thing and ruin it by turning it into a religion. Because then you get dogma, you know, you have to do it this way. Turn things into gods and stuff like that. Well, 
Japanese Zen is based on Buddhism and uh, Buddha is constantly reminded in the reminds people in the literature that he is not a god and there's even a saying if you see Buddha in the streets kill him do not make a god out of him now that we've got that under our belt that it's not um it's not really a religion. It's kind of like the Japanese had already moved past that. They already had religion. They had Shintoism. About to have a pileup with an 18-wheeler. People trying to merge. They have uh, Shintoism, which is kind of like, uh, you know, lots of gods and stuff like that. And then uh, Zen showed up. And for, oh, from China. And they're like, okay, well, let's see. And it's... Let's, uh, how can we use this to improve ourselves? And it's a lot like Zen moving to America. You know, we already have religions. You've got your Christianity, you've got your Judaism, you got all kinds of stuff. And they're like, uh, this Zen stuff is new. This is kind of cool. Let's use it for self-improvement. <laughs> and it works. So there's that. And Another standout issue is, uh, to prove the point, is when the Soviet Union, which under communism uh, banned religion, Buddhists and probably Zenists said, okay, we're not a religion, we're a philosophy. That probably frustrated the hell out of the communists. And said, what? And then, yeah, we don't have a God, so we're just a philosophy. And then when uh, Soviet Union communism went away, they said, okay, we're uh, religion again. Uh, further down in the description of Zen Buddhism is something really amazing. It's how Zen is actually an anti-philosophy. Of all the philosophies, it's the one, it's like punk, punk rock philosophy. And I guess that's uh, why you get that book, Dharma Punks. And by that, you have to think a little bit back uh, with regular Western philosophy, which is I think, therefore I am. It's very self-centered. It's very much problem-solving. It's very much putting things into categories, uh, putting the ball in the, in the game and watching the ball fall down the uh, pinball things. And bounce, bunk, 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 and fall into its slot, and eventually you get so many points, right? Uh, and everything is uh, can be put into a flow chart. So you study a philosophy, and um, your philosophy becomes this is the Western mindset. Your philosophy becomes your universal tool to solve all problems, right? And everything has to go in one end, and then come out the other end, and then you've got it all figured out. The problem is, is when you apply that, you always come up with exceptions. We have that at, at work all the time is we'll write a program to fix a problem. And then a few days in, oh, got an exception, got an exception. What do we do with this? Right. So there's a giant red flag whenever you uh, say I've uh, got it all figured out because nothing fits. Nothing can be solved by a philosophy, by a reasoning with hard rules all the time. There's always uh, problems with that, always exceptions. So Zen takes the standpoint that 
adhering to hard rules is actually the problem. And if you're more flexible, then you can be above the problems, right? You can not have to worry so much about categorizing things. In fact, categorizing things is the problem in Zen. As soon as you decide that you believe in something has to be a certain way, you have decided that there's only one view on things. And that is wrong. There is uh, never just one view. There's at least two, if not multiple views. And uh, Zen uh, comes from uh, China originally. And you know, the yin yang, the black and white, but together they make a whole. If you just had the black, then you're missing the white and you don't have the whole picture. Somebody delivered a pizza and it was missing a slice, you'd be pissed off. <laughs> Where's the other slice? There's something wrong with this pizza. It's like, well, you've got the other slices. Yeah, but there's something not right. Wouldn't that be funny to deliver pizzas missing a slice and watch people's reactions? So in the article, they go to great lengths to describe that you practice learning how to not have an opinion and not have a bias one way or the other because if you believe in just one way then you're missing out on the big picture and in the end you're going to run into confrontations and so you need to be bigger than that and there's two ways to practice there's Rinzai and Soto Rinzai is 1700 riddles that and also they do a lot of shouting <laughs> I've done Renzai practice one time it was pretty intense you sit at a wall and shout at it but a master asks you riddles and you have to give answers the problem is the the riddles have no logical answer so you have to be bigger than the question you have to show that you're not caught up in being right or that there's this one way or that there's actual an answer. Your, your answer has to be that it doesn't bother you that there's uh, no real answer and that you have to be able to move um, back and forth. The teacher will be like, you know, what's A plus B? And you're like, well, those can't be added. They're letters. And then he'll give an example with no, it's ab. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> and but uh, that's that's a terrible one I just made that one up don't go with that one it's more like what is the sound of one hand clapping and uh, if a tree falls in the woods uh, does it make a sound that kind of stuff those are classic uh, zen koan so 1700 of them and to become a zen master in rinzai style you have to correctly answer them to the satisfaction of a uh, Zen master face-to-face -face in a closed-off room. And the whole point is he can get a feel, he or she can get a feel uh, to whether you really get it or not. And that's Rinzai. And then Soto is um, just sitting. And that's, that's like farmer Zen. It was like when they democratized Zen everybody instead of just the warriors. Warriors did. Warriors Zen is Rinzai. Samurai class. 
And Soto Zen is you just sit and by sitting and trying to do nothing, you realize even when there's no stimulation, even when there's nothing going on, your brain makes up stories and opinions. And over time, you realize, whoa, the brain is in a is a an annoying opinion machine that just generates them and with uh, practice and over time you learn to start ignoring short-sighted opinions like it's oh I'm, I'm cold or boy that person over there is wearing a stupid jacket or wow I think she's really pretty um, because all of those are opinions and all of those are relative so uh, Einstein is considered a, an amazing example of of um, of not being attached to opinions with the theory of relativity. Everything depends on your your standpoint. Your opinion uh, depends on where you are. Because you'll notice that some people will say, well, it's hot. Well, I don't think it's hot. It's cold. Well, I hate living in Texas. Well, I actually like living in Texas. And as soon as you can find somebody that believes in the opposite of what you believe in, just as strongly, by the way, then you realize, oh my gosh, these are all opinions. So go throughout your day and notice how other people believe in different things than you. And then you realize that, that your brain just makes this stuff up or you've been told stuff by other people. And what happens is, is over time, you get better and better at recognizing this. So at some point, you can actually do it instantly. I've gotten to the point where I can, I say after 10 something years, 15 years, I can, um, if it's a simple, easy one, I can immediately throw it away. I go, well, that's just an opinion. And then um, if it's more painful and more personal, it takes me a little bit longer and then a little bit more work to get out of it. But then I can say, um, oh, okay. These are all opinions and you don't know uh, where this is actually going. You know, you've got a, a new coworker, a new boss or something like that or a new office space or a new job and or a new piece of equipment and something's not working out. And notice how you go into the future and this, and you visualize like a disaster. <laughs> How is this gonna be? <laughs> like you don't know that that's actually going to be true. So why are you making that up? And so when you sit and meditate, uh, that's zazen, just sitting. Then you, with no no reasonable stimulation, you notice that the brain takes off and starts doing stuff. And then when it does you go, oh, wow, that was crazy. So then you, you recenter yourself back to uh, no opinions, nothing other than the right now. And, and then it, your brain does it again. And then your brain does it again. And while people uh, a lot of times get dedicated to one school or the other, the Rinzai or the Soto, I found that being able to jump back and forth between the two is really, really nice that practicing the sittings in and realizing your brain goes all over the place and makes up opinions helps you answer the questions of Rinzai so that you uh, can solve these riddles 
um, a whole lot more quickly. So I like being able to float back and forth between the two. So back to the Zen being an anti-philosophy, instead of putting things in one end of the formula and then applying this, that, the other, and then having an answer come out the other, in the formula shitting out another answer, <laughs> then instead you transcend applying formulas and things having to be this way, applying a flow chart and things having to be this way. And what it does, they mentioned this several times in the article, is it gives you freedom. It's an, and it's amazing. You can, you transcend um, opinion logic and can actually see things for what they really are. And because you can actually see reality without an opinion, you can then apply the correct answer as far as you know. And when you can do that, then the marginal gains every day of self-improvement start applying themselves. A really good example is, this was years ago, but I got moved from one office to the other. I've been moved at my job several, I've worked there for a long time. So I've been moved around the building kind of here and there. It just kind of depends on the reasons. And uh, two moves ago, I was kind of annoyed. And a few years later, when I got moved again, I had been practicing Zen long enough where I was like, I don't know really why my boss is doing this. Um, if I try to come up with a reason, it could be an opinion. Actually, it may not be true. And then I don't know that it's going to be worse. It could be better. And yeah, the downside is I got to move all my stuff. But the upside is as I move my stuff, it gives me a reason to go through my stuff and throw out what I'm not needing anymore. And that open mindset really made a difference in my move. So I was able actually to move all my stuff. And then as it, after it was done or while it was happening, because I wasn't all angry and frustrated and throwing a fit like a child, then I was able to actually uh, get my work done at the same time and be mature about it and act as a leader because I'm over some other people. Hey, yeah, we're just moving. It's uh. It's no big deal. And I wish I could be uh, that calm and cool about uh, so many more things in my life. But these things kind of add up and you get better at it over time. So the article, uh, plato.stanford.edu, has so much more in it. And it really gives a good description of how Zen uh, came about and how to use it and what it actually is and does. Oh, it's got so much on dualism. Uh, not one, not, but not two, but not one, but not two. <laughs> it's really, really good. And I, I suggest that if you are getting more and more interested in Zen and applying it to your daily life, you go check that article out. Okay. I need to get into W to the ERK. And yeah, that's it. Out oh, there.
you are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Hi everybody, my name is Brad, I'm a trash. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years! Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! Hey, 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 welcome to a new training log. Man, I'm in a good mood. I have had quite the uh, revelation lately. Man, I just love discovering new stuff. (laughs) And we're going to talk a little bit about blood sugar. I mentioned on the last podcast that I was going to experiment with dropping my sugar down to almost nothing on my one-hour workouts and try to use those um, to improve my sugar metabolism. And there's this rare thing where if you train a lot and I don't know, like 15 hours per week or something like that, but you become so sensitive to sugar Your body becomes so efficient at pulling sugar out of your bloodstream to use that it overdoes it and you go hypoglycemic. And I just have this problem where when I, not usually when I bike, because biking I'm able to eat as much sugar as I want, but, and not so much swimming, but running. Running, I mean, running you can only carry so much stuff. And running I just have weakness I have low blood sugar attacks and just kind of feeling odd hold on I'm drinking uh, kava 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 and it's really really frustrating and by cutting back on sugar which I'll describe in a minute I've noticed that, um, and this is during my workouts, cutting back on sugar during all workouts, I've noticed that I've quit having this problem. It's really, really fascinating. So the body gets a little bit of sugar, then it releases insulin to pull it into the muscles to use it, but then it's too much insulin and it um, pulls your blood sugar level down and then you feel really weak. And on top of that, it um, makes your, if you're running, it makes your form come apart because you feel weak. And then you uh, exacerbate, that's a fancy word, any kind of injuries because your form is all messed up. And I've noticed this because I've cut back on sugar Um, Zero sugar during my swims, and last night, uh, 60 calories of, of, uh, which is one scoop, and the scoops are tiny, for Gatorade Endurance. Gatorade Endurance has simple sugars, and then it has maltodextrin, and it has salt, extra salt in it. It's the Endurance. And this morning I started running and I just felt way more level 
And then by about 20 minutes in, I had drank enough sugary stuff where all of a sudden I started bottoming out. Maybe about 30 minutes in. I started bottoming out and feeling weak and my form started getting messed up. And then things started to hurt. And because I've got this right foot injury. And then I backed off the sugar, the sugary drink. I got a mix. I got sugar in one flask and I got water in another flask. I cut the sugar intake down by about half. And I was only doing like about 100, 100 calories maybe total. And I'm sipping on it every five minutes. And all of a sudden I started feeling a whole lot better. And my form cleaned up and the pain went away. There's this thing, you know, the sugar causes inflammation and it makes things hurt. I know definitely my joints hurt, stuff like that, uh, quite often, which is annoying. And I just felt so much better. I mean, infinitely better. So I'm kind of in this uh, purgatory gray area conundrum. You know, you're supposed to be fueling like crazy so that you're trained for race day so that you can get plenty of fuel in on race day. But then when I talked to Rob Gray, robgray.org, about fueling training and getting your act together to do long distance stuff, he says for workouts, I think less than an hour and a half, no fuel, just water. And then the big stuff on the weekends, pretty much um, doing uh, more fuel, like a lot of fuel, but then you're backing off the pace and you're able to digest it. And then it's like once a week, twice a week, instead of all the time, instead of two times a day. <laughs> and so I'm going with it and it seems to work. And you can totally tell because when your blood sugar gets low, your body tries to concentrate blood sugar by dumping water volume. And that concentrates your blood, which concentrates your blood sugar, right? Because your your blood is mostly water. Hold on, kava sip. It's my post-workout chocolate milk with kava. Calm with a K. Calm with kava. Micronized. Uh, kava. Makes you feel good. Anyway. The... The thing is, is you, oh, so when, you're, when your body wants to reduce blood volume to concentrate blood sugar so that you feel better, it, uh, one way to do that is uh, makes you pee. And I was fine and I was fine and I was fine. And then about 25 minutes in, I was, when I had started upping the sugar and taking it on, um, all of a sudden, I had to pee. And that's my problem. And it's like, man, a lot of times while running, I feel the need to pee, like frequently. And I've been trying to nail it down. Is it caffeine? And what's interesting is I had a bunch of caffeine yesterday. And even yesterday evening, I had coffee. And then this morning, I had two cups of coffee. And I was fine. So I'm like, it's not the caffeine until I started upping the sugar and then bam, I started feeling the need uh, to pee. And it seems like it was my body's reaction to insulin being released because my body saw sugar and it goes, oh, sugar, process it. <laughs> and then it overdoes it with the insulin. 
And that's actually one of the steps to uh, diabetes is first your body um, overreacts to sugar and gets high. So there was all that. Also, I've had recently a lot of back pain, leg pain, all this kind of crap. And um, as a long distance triathlete, I've gotten really good at sitting in the arrow position for hours at a time. Not not hours at a time lately, but I've at one point a few years ago I got where I could do hours at a time. And so recently I've been getting back into that and I think I'm learning that that's actually while that's super fast, it's not a sustainable habit and it actually can lead to problems because you're hunched over and all this stuff and it leads to your back being getting tightened up and hamstrings and all kinds of stuff so on Zwift uh, Watopia volcano flat route there is one two at least three climbs they're only like a minute each per 20 minutes three climbs per 20 minutes and starting Tuesday and today's Thursday so for the past two workouts um and it's the day after Halloween by the way I've been standing and climbing on those um hills and they're very short but popping it up into a bigger gear or the same gear and standing and climbing. It's a smart trainer. I, I ride a Doretto, a Dorito, an elite Doretto. And I immediately noticed the next day that my legs didn't hurt and my back didn't hurt and my feet, my right foot hurt a whole lot less. And I think it's the variety of standing and pedaling and that works the lower back muscles and the hip muscles a little bit better and it also gives them a break from being in the arrow position all the time and then that quits things from being pulled on it quits the tightness it gives like I said it gives everything a break and then uh, this morning, my foot just felt a whole lot better. And I was like, whoa, that's really interesting. And then on today's run, everything felt a whole lot better. And I was just like, oh, man, you need to be doing that more often. The whole trick is just not to do it too hard or else I'll develop plantar fasciitis again. And the plantar fasciitis seems to be uh, going away. I got somebody in front of me doing a 16-point turn to get to back into the parking spot. which I've never really understood. And I've got a uh, training tip for you. Whoop, whoop. By the way, if you got the time and you want to improve your running a little bit, before you go run, get on your bike trainer, or I guess you could get, you could get on a bike and ride up and down your street if you got a hill and pedal until you start to sweat. And that loosens up your legs and makes you feel a whole lot better. And then when you start to run, you're act, you've got 
you've got blood you know in your legs you got blood pretty much in the right areas and you're kind of warmed up and then when you start running because you're more warmed up um, your form will be a whole lot better and that can prevent injuries yeah y'all can tell i feel a whole lot better this is good stuff so yes get on your bike and ride for a few minutes if you have a power meter then ride until your power gets up to you know like your casual pace so for me that's like 230 240 watts and then i'm like okay i am warmed up it only takes a few minutes and then when you go outside to run you'll notice that you can immediately start running with pretty good form pretty good and things just feel lubed up like you feel a whole lot better so that's my recommendation for this morning. All right, I'm going to go inside. We've got breakfast at work. Got some breakfast tacos. And yeah, pretty excited. We had a whole bunch of rain last night, which kind of ruined Halloween for everybody. But it was still pretty good. All right, out, bang. All right, we are back. Just did a nice little swim. Started feeling like crap. I tried some uh, brain octane in my coffee before hitting the pool and it made me feel sick so either I did too much or something in it um, I didn't like and I made the mistake of not measuring it it looked like about a tablespoon and you need to be uh, if you want to be anal about stuff you measure it and then that way when it didn't work you can say well don't do that much but since I didn't measure it I don't know how much <laughs> I did um, MCT oil which brain octane is but brain octane has um extra in it hold on doing my chocolate milk oh i got tips on that um uh, i did mct oil one tablespoon of mct oil emulsified uh, in my coffee that way it's blended nice two days ago when I went to go swim and had a great workout and today I just felt like I couldn't breathe right I went too long trying to stretch out my stroke too which starts handicapping your oxygen intake by the way uh, a little bit longer glide but trying to keep up the pace um, you start shorting yourself on oxygen and then um, anyway so I cut it short by about five minutes but I went uh, hard the last 200 yards? I ended up being 225. So I got two tricks for you today. One is either end your, somehow end your swim on the other side of the pool. So if you'd like to have an even number for your um, workout metrics, you know, start on the other side of the pool from your locker room or wherever you're going. And then when you're all done swimming, that gives you 25 yards of uh, walking uh, super, super easy kind of walking across the pool, breaststroke, cool down in the water, which helps you uh, cool down from the heat that you've built up. I take off my swim cap and my goggles. You don't have to take off your goggles, but, and then just kind of, um, walk, uh, it's walking depth the whole way. It's like three to four feet uh, back across the pool. And then by the time I, I get out, that takes about a minute. By the time I get out, I'm a lot lot more cool down. Hey, there's a Toyota Land Cruiser. God, I want a Toyota Land Cruiser so bad. 
I love those things. Anyway, I swear, once you realize that Lexus is also like the GX, I forgot all the numbers, is also a Toyota Land Cruiser, then you start realizing these things are everywhere. They're so cool. Maybe I should get a used one someday. That'd be nice. Anyway, I um, another trick is um, you can make a recovery drink after you, after you swim, but you're like, I'm going to swim for like an hour. Hey, what do I do? You know, it's not going to be cold whenever I uh, get it out of my locker. Well, make your recovery drink um, with ice cubes for the water part. And then by the time you get out of your locker, it'll get out of your locker. By the time you're done with your swim and shower and stuff, then you uh, pull out your little, I use a bike bottle, water bottle. Um, I think you can hear it. Oh, it's all melted. But when I pulled it out of my locker a little while ago, it was uh, ice cubes still. But now it's really cold because the ice has melted and just shake it up and that's what I got. So I've got uh, Hershey's chocolate syrup, just a little bit for some flavor. And what's the other thing? Oh, milk. <laughs> don't do school, stay in drugs. No, drink your school, don't do milk, and stay in drugs. That's an old Saturday Night Live thing on Mr. T. My dad rode in an elevator with Mr. T in the uh, in the 80s, late 80s, maybe early 90s. And my dad is a big guy, six foot two, 230 pounds. And I uh, worked out, you know, so no wimp. He held a record on the rowing machine at the, at the gym. <laughs> and um, he said Mr. T got on the elevator with him and was like big, a big guy. And I don't know how big Mr. T is height wise, but just imposing, just intense, as you know. There's a video on YouTube or something where Mr. T starts arguing with Howard Stern over something. I think it's Howard Stern. And they almost come to a fight. And it's terrifying, Mr. T acts. Okay, anyway, back to my point is, yeah, you can have a recovery drink that's nice and cool. And um, then on your way into work, if you swim in the morning, you can You've cooled down on your 25 yards. Take a shower. I brush my teeth in the shower. Uh, I make sure all I rinse all the spit out. You know, all the toothpaste goes down the drain. And then also rinse out my swimsuit really well. Rinse out my goggles. And then let's see. In my swim locker at the gym, I've put in hooks. Little you know, the hooks you can add with adhesive. You can just buy them at the grocery store. And I've got hooks. Gosh, I've got four hooks in there, you know, like uh, car keys, goggles, swim bag, all hanging, towel, so that stuff will dry better. So luxurious. Hold on, recovery drink. And um, on your drive, the rest of the way into work, after your swim, if that's what you're doing, then you're drinking a cold drink. And by the time you get to W to the ERK, you're all nice and cooled down. 
It's good stuff. So it is two days after Halloween. We've had a cold front come through, our secondary cold front. It's crisp air. It was in the 40s overnight. I went running the morning after Halloween yesterday, and I do laps. And first, by the time I was done with the first lap, I'd gotten hot enough. <laughs> Even though it was 50-something degrees, I get hot really easily. And uh, I had to take off my shirt, and I'm running. And I pass other people going the other way and stuff, uh, wearing, like, beanie hats and jackets. But this is Texas, where, you know, like, 58 degrees is freezing. And I'm running the other way with no shirt. But I'm sweating like crazy. I'm carrying my shirt with me. I started off with one. Oh, man. And um, slept in the plantar fasciitis boot. Because now I'm just down to my uh, having heel pain. Like It's kind of like a torn tendon or something like that. And a tight calf makes it worse. But I wear the boot and it feels fine. So that's it. Uh, let's see. Everybody... Uh, Hold on, I'll be right back. Got to go into W to the ERK out, bang. All right, we are back, leaving Kai's soccer game, middle of the day soccer game. He has two soccer games today. And strangely enough, he's playing the same team twice <laughs> in one day. It's a points system. But anyway, I uh, did something pretty cool. A little trick on the bike this morning that I thought I'd tell you all about so that uh, you can do it too if you need to. Um, when you adjust your saddle, when you adjust a lot of stuff on your bike, it's really smart to know where you came from. Where did you come from? Where did you go? And that way you can see how much you changed and then if it didn't work, then you can go back. So there's lots of ways to do that kind of stuff. I like putting tape on things and you can see how much it moved when you adjust it, like a seat, seat post height and stuff. But what I did today was next level. Oh, oh, literally. Because um, something I learned to do a while back when playing around with Rich Roll and his bike seat one time is um, the using a level to adjust the saddle angle, right? So my saddle nose has been um, poking up just a little bit too much no it's been it was poking up and then I pointed it down and then now I'm sliding off the front a little bit putting too much weight on my elbows and forearms to keep me up, uh, up from sliding over the front so I was like okay the the saddle nose needs to uh, come back up but now I'm like I'm tired of this <laughs> this back and forth so I'm going to actually uh, spend three seconds of, of effort and look on my phone for the level app and you I'd have to stop to look but um, a lot of phones already come with a level maybe and I think it used to be inside the compass you know how like this the calculator if you swipe it there's a scientific calculator maybe you didn't even know that in your phone well um, for a while the compass app had a uh, level behind it I'm pretty sure so, but what I did this time was I just searched the word level, and it turned out I already had two levels, level apps downloaded. I've got a Stanley level app, which is cool of them to make. I think that's the one I used. And I have this problem where, like, my saddle is, everybody's saddle usually is uh, kind of wonky shaped. So where you put your, um, where you put your, phone on its edge on your saddle 
you got to put it in the same place, exactly the same place. And it made me a little bit uh, uncertain that I was going to get it right back in the same place after I'm adjusting my saddle on and I didn't want to like go crazy like marking stuff and whatever but I do have on the back of my saddle I've got um, bottle cages that are pretty much vertical close to vertical and I said oh I'll just use those I'll put the edge of my phone up to that so that it shows um, the angle of those because if I move the saddle it's gonna move those cages proportionally and like I said again they're almost vertical so I was at 88 degrees on the uh, cages oh a deer he's just running down the road I'm gonna honk so he gets out of the road there you go big deer And um, when I adjusted the saddle, I just wanted to move it up one degree because I thought that'd be plenty. At saddles, it's usually like one, at most, like two degrees of change. And this is cool. I mean, this read off in decimal places and everything. It's like 88 point, it was like 87.99, you know, 88. Whatever. But anyway, I um, adjusted my saddle nose and it was, uh, when I was done, got it to where I kind of thought would be a little bit better. It was 90, 90 degrees. Um, and again, remember, I'm talking about a weird place to measure on my saddle. Your saddle should not be at 90 degrees. <laughs> Your saddle should be at like zero degrees or one, two, three, four, or negative one or whatever. Anyway, um, so then I got on my bike and I started pedaling and it was perfect, perfect. I mean, absolutely perfect. I couldn't believe it that I got lucky and nailed it. So I used Todoist as a project manager app, and I've got a project in there for my bike where I do tasks and notes and stuff. And I wrote down in there the um, that I used the rear uh, bottle cage holder rail thing, and it was at... Uh, 90 degrees was perfect so that's really cool and then i also uh tried something new today i posted pictures of this on um instagram and i was at the it's of bamboo socks i was at the grocery store yesterday and i was walking down the aisle and near in the kind of grocery it's a huge grocery store so in this grocery store pharmacy kind of area there was this uh, little display rack carousel of socks and it caught my attention because it said bamboo and I was like oh hmm and yeah bamboo uh, material socks and what's cool uh, most people may not know this is bamboo is actually a technical fabric it, it works really good as one um, one it's antimicrobial uh, and that's because bamboo is uh it has natural uh, pesticides and crap like that in it uh, to protect itself from being eaten up by bugs and fungus and, and bacteria and mold and blah, blah, blah. You know, bamboo's a grass, actually, if you didn't know. And the um, other thing, let's see. 
it's soft it's really soft uh, it's silky and it's um, I don't know if it was if it's light but it also um, doesn't hold water very well it sheds water so it's kind of like having a pair of like cycling socks or whatever and they, they had these pair the brand they were like five bucks maybe ten bucks I think they're like five bucks and they said diabetic <laughs> diabetic uh, bamboo socks like the socks have diabetes and I thought it was kind of funny but the um, we eat so bad in America even our socks have diabetes they didn't say bamboo socks for diabetics they said diabetic socks and I was like oh come dude come on anyway they're eco socks e-c-o-s-o-x so they're super cheap and I go okay these are so cheap um I'll give them a try and the funny thing is a lot of stuff is cheap and then they as soon as they try to market it to triathletes they jack up the price like three four five six seven ten times and um, compression socks, for example, those have been around forever for people with uh, varicose veins. And, oh, we're going to have, uh, going to put some butterflies on them and then charge 10 times as much when you can go get them at the, uh, at the pharmacy. <laughs> anyway, um, so today I was really excited. It's little things like this that kind of get you going, kind of fun. The, um, the fact that I had these socks got me excited there's people on a tandem and then there's a guy with his two little kids and a little cul-de-sac cool it's a beautiful day um i rode with them two hours on the bike and pouring in sweat you know i go through a headband every 20 minutes on the bike soak it and then warm on a one hour run and I was pleasantly surprised I was like man these work pretty well and they're comfy but when I was done they were still just soft and nice and I, th I think they're pretty tough I think bamboo is a really tough material uh, to make fabrics out of um, they're usually they people try to brand them as super eco-friendly and that's kind of debatable because they can use a lot of nasty chemicals to make to turn the bamboo into fabric they don't have to but usually they do but bamboo does grow super fast so I mean it's a grass it's like a weed so it's not like growing a crop like cotton and then pulling off one little piece of it and then making your stuff out of that I mean it's just like this stuff grows crazy crazy fast and and it grows year-round all, all day long and stuff. Um, so there's a lot of it <laughs> And I think, yeah, it doesn't require any pesticides or anything like that, like I said. And anyway, so it's relatively uh, eco-friendly. And the um, the run afterwards finished, no, no even hint of a blister. And usually I change socks because my socks are just kind of like soaked. I change them between the bike and the run and just because I can. I wouldn't do that in a race. But I mean, maybe if I was doing an Ironman, maybe. But I, um, yeah, maybe <laughs> I might do that, but I did three hours, uh, nonstop and, um, they worked great. I was like really impressed. I was like, this is cool. So, uh, check them out. Eco socks. Um, I've only had one, you know, one test with them. It's not like I've been wearing them for a month or something like that. Oh, when I took them off, they were damp, 
but not wet. It's weird. Like they just won't hold water. It's it's odd. And they're actually pretty tall. They come up to the middle of the calf, you know, because they're made for like old people to hide under their uh, Dickies trousers. And um, but that's kind of the look, you know. You got if you look a little bit geeky and weird while you're uh, running and biking, then that shows that you're really into it, and you might be a professional professional weirdo all right that's it i got to go inside i'm hungry man oh i did some uh, cool cool fueling stuff i'll talk about that in a minute i've got to uh, go grab a a snack (laughs) now i'm hungry all right out bang all right all right man i got some cool updates uh let's see i did another um yesterday i did a bike run brick two hours on the bike one hour run um the thing is it's on a trainer man there's like no hardly any coasting zwift you can coast a little bit and but like no stoplights whatever so your time on the trainer is effective two hours on the trainer is like three hours outside probably maybe two and a half and then a one hour run outside both yesterday and today and for a little bit i thought i was going to go faster on day two which would have been awesome but Went faster on the bike. I did uh, two watts higher. So yesterday was 262 or 263 watts normalized power on the Garmin, which I believe is a little bit more accurate than Zwift. And uh, Zwift was 260 or something. But then uh, today I'm on the bike and I made some new fuel. I got a little interested in something yesterday. And so I decided to make my own fuel, some new fuel, try something out. And it worked pretty great. And then a one-hour run on the bike. And I was actually, one-hour run after the bike. I was actually a little bit slower on the run. But it was so cool. I could actually feel that my body was, like, done. You know? It was, like, cooked. With still about a half an hour left on the run. It got to be a struggle. And I I've, I've miss it, man. I'm just like, oh, this is where you got to dig deep. This is where Iron Man is defined where you can keep going but it's really crappy so who are you are you somebody that quits or somebody that you that can keep going like everything's fine you're not like injured you've got fuel you're just exhausted like you've kind of i didn't bonk but i was just like my body was just done you know and it hurt like all just in general like all over but it was a pretty day and i was just like man i'm just gonna keep going and did what i committed to which is the big that's the big key right there so the fuel that i made is uh i made homemade brew of uh tailwind tailwind's gotten really famous over the past few years because uh, it just works people really like it and there was a thread on slow twitch where somebody said hey i want to get away from gatorade what else is out there and a lot of people said tailwind and I looked it up because I've been a fan of Tailwind. I've just never tried it. Um, I hear a lot about it. A trail running podcast I listen to uh, sponsored by it. So they mention it every once in a while. And they, um, their thing is dextrose, two to one ratio of dextrose to sucrose. They really say glucose to sucrose, but it's, de- so there's a lot of, there's a lot of sugars that are kind of the same. Maltodextrin is kind of like the starchy version of dextrose. Um, it's a longer chain. It's kind of interchangeable. And um, 
But anyway, I happen to have a big container of dextrose. And then sucrose is just like table sugar. And we do have some of that, but I thought I'd try. I looked up maple syrup. Maple syrup is um, um, sucrose. So I thought, well, I'll just try maple syrup just to see. And so I did a two-to-one dextrose powder to um, maple syrup. And I measured it out and by calories and grams and all that other stuff. Made my home brew. And it was cool. And I was able to do more calories, and I felt better, definitely on the bike. And and, and again, I had I had more watts. And even though I'd done a pretty hard workout the day before, I mean, yeah, like really hard. Um, and my legs were sore on the bike today. I was still able to keep going energy-wise, and I was like, this is pretty great. Um, something I did notice: uh, cramps. If you've got all over tingly cramps, that's low, you're getting dehydrated and possibly uh, low sodium in general. If you if you start to get cramps, like in one muscle group, uh, like I did today towards the end of my bike ride, I started getting cramps in my quads. That means you're overdoing it and your muscles are telling you, ah, cut it out. And that makes total sense. Um, I didn't do any long bike workouts last week. Um, I cut back on my volume just a little bit because we went camping. And then so now I'm cranking out two days in a row. And yeah, uh, towards the very end, it's good, you know, strong watts, going at a good clip, burning through food, burning through calories, you know. And um, had a little bit of trouble walking yesterday afternoon because I was nice and worn out. And so today when I was doing it towards the very end of my two-hour bike ride, uh, standing to pedal to go up a hill, my um, my quads cr- cramped up a little bit with about 20 minutes left to go. So then I rode really carefully after that. And so then that makes sense. On today's run, I averaged 30 seconds per mile slower. Maybe not 30, maybe like 20 for an hour. Um, so like six-something miles. The uh, I was just I was just done. I was just cooked. But the big thing that I wanted to figure out was yesterday I was doing uh, Gatorade-based stuff. There goes a cyclist. I was doing Gatorade-based stuff, and then when I was all finished with my run in particular, I got to the house, and then I drank some water, and then I had the sharpest pain in my gut. And I think I know what that is, but I would love to get an email from people to tell me exactly what it is. It's the sugar that's piled up in your stomach, or maybe your intestine, and now you're getting water to it. All of a sudden, now your body goes... Hey, look at all this sugar. It turns out it's too strong of sugar. It's like it's gone from way too strong and your body's kind of ignoring it to uh, pretty strong. And now your body goes, okay, let's try to use this. But then when it tries to use it, it goes, ah, I can't, it hurts. Supposedly, it's that pain is when your intestines try to pull water from outside to the inside to help digest that stuff. So it's like you've just given it enough, you've piled up sugar in your guts or it's stuck. And it could be, because like the orange mud guy said, I've been, uh, I wear a waist belt when I run. Although it's loose, um, it still could be pinching off my uh, intestines a little bit. And then, um, so stuff gets backed up a little. And, because that's, a, it's it only happens when I finish and I take off that waist belt, now that I think about it. So maybe it's moving 
and then it and then with some water it moves some more and then it hits a new area and then my body goes ah it hurts so it's the pain the pain comes from uh your the pressure of water trying to move across your intestine um to it could be going the other way it could be the the sugar going the other way i guess why not i've had it many 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 times i remember i did a 50 mile trail run and i rocked it i did awesome um i got like top third or something like that 50 mile trail run and then um the whole car ride home though i was just bent over in pain from the uh, sugary stuff um doing something as i was finally getting enough water in for it to like actually really move around which meant i had all that stuff backed up in me and it, that was from eating gels and stuff oh there's a loose dog he's got big ears he's cute okay then so today my big test was i was so confident that my homebrew tailwind oh i put um i put sea salt in it too by the way that my homebrew tailwind i was going to finish my three hours my two hour bike my one hour run and then i was going to be all done and then i wasn't going to have any stomach pain because the tailwind was really working great and i was able to eat more calories um, than before it felt like and it kind of was better it was about 50 percent better but i still had pain so i was kind of like Ugh. but anyway yeah that's how you make tailwind um, of course, theirs is actually better because they're going to put citric acid in it and some other funky stuff to make it really, really work. It's just all that stuff's kind of expensive. So it's cool when you can make your own. And, oh, the other thing that was super cool was because my plantar fasciitis is gone in both feet, finally, I feel like I can actually run with normal running form. <laughs> and then normal running form... And also the fact on the bike that I've started um, standing to pedal more and not trying to go hard and I've moved my saddle and um, I'm not trying to go hard uphill in the aero position for any length of time. Um, but and then the big point is like a balanced bike ride. So standing every once in a while to pedal up the hills, sitting up to pedal up the hills, like doing a nice mix of everything. All of a sudden my back my lower back my hip um everything my calves uh and that's been the problem is my calves are too tight um all of a sudden they're a whole lot looser and feel better even though i'm doing more volume everything just feels better like a whole lot better and that's not just from today that's from yesterday and i noticed that um last week when i started riding more uh, and pedaling standing up the thing is is you can't pedal and stand up when you got plantar fasciitis. So I had to wait for the plantar fasciitis to kind of go away. I would try every once in a while and it would make the plantar fasciitis act up. I tried it this one last time and the plantar fasciitis didn't act up. So it's gone. And then now I feel like um, when I was running, because everything was loosened up and a whole lot better, that um, I didn't have to run on the outside of my right foot as much to keep my foot from rolling in. This is all my right foot because when my right foot was rolling in, then it would make my plantar fasciitis worse. And so in general, basically, I'm able to run with way more normal form. And then that is allowing me to take stress, I guess, off my calf. And uh, my calf isn't getting this tight, which is making my heel problem worse, <laughs> which makes my heel problem worse. So that's not happening as much right now. So like 
uh, I don't know to, to put it in a sentence is man my, my right foot is getting a heck of a lot better and today was a breakthrough run of where I was able to um, really enjoy my run uh, without worrying too much about my right foot I was having to be careful but how much I was having to be careful had changed it was like oh whoa I can run uh, with without worrying so much about where I'm putting pressure on my foot and that was nice that was a nice big change all right Oh, and I feel awesome that I got so much done. That's two three-hour days back-to-back. Um, that's a far cry from when I used to do five-hour days. <laughs> but I'll take what I can get. And plus, the trainer is just brutal, man. Uh, man, whew. it is good stuff. I had a lot of fun on the trainer today, by the way. It was good times. Um, yeah, and the homemade uh, tailwind really does – it works. So I guess – Maybe for another run, I need to just take off that waistband completely, try my homemade tailwind, and see if my stomach um, hurts as bad or not uh, when I finish. You never know. All right, out, bang. All right, I think we're going to wrap up the show. I'm going to try something. We're going to do wrapping up the show on a Monday, and then I spend the rest of the week trying to put it out. That way we can get shows out once a week again um, which leads me to another topic um, when I was injured with my uh, plantar fasciitis so bad I got into a, a mild to medium depression and luckily through the practice of uh, Zen and Buddhism um, I realized my thoughts are not you don't have to believe in your thoughts <laughs> they're not entirely real they're sort of real, but you know, don't get too attached to them because your your thoughts can change. And so, what I did, I mean, I think for you know two years, three years, I, I was just depressed. So I would just make lists, and I've noticed, um, and it would take me forever, and I would sleep a lot, and have low energy. Um, and it's a mix. It's a mix of uh, depression from being injured, but also I'm uh, ADHD, and it really helps for me to um, exercise, and running is what really, really does it for me. Um, I had a major turnaround in my life. Uh, once I started uh, running seriously, all of a sudden I just felt amazing. All this, all this positive energy. I'm a po- very positive person, but... You know, having a perspective on life that's very positive and seeing life as a, but just having the energy to do all the stuff that you want really came on when I started running a lot. And then when I got injured, I um, couldn't run hardly at all. And it just put me into a funk. Hold on, a sip of fuel. <laughs> I'm trying to not drink close to the microphone. For those of you that can't stand it. It's Monday morning and I just finished swimming. Okay. And I've noticed... uh, Oh, there was another thing. Is we moved to a house that was... The landscape around it was really barren. And um, I grew up... My formative years, my early, early years all the way through from birth all the way through uh, ninth grade and then I went away for 
military school, which was barren, uh, to uh, my senior year. It was very lush, green, pine forest, Alabama, East Texas, Tennessee, Smoky Mountains. Uh, my grandparents have had a lake house on the edge of the Smoky Mountains on Watts Bar Lake. Um, just magical woods. And the combination of being injured and uh, being away from that lush green um, just really did me in. And so we moved. I put my foot down. I said, we have to move. Kai was unhappy. Everybody was unhappy. Emily didn't really see it because she got her new house that she really liked. And... So I'm doing the pull off on the shoulder a little bit thing. And, um, but Kai and I definitely, definitely felt it. And Kai had like the coolest bedroom. It was upstairs. He had a view. Didn't matter. And then one time I felt well enough to run um, on one of my old running routes on the other side. We only moved from one side of the neighborhood to the other, but it was like an old neighborhood versus a new section of the neighborhood. A new section, they wiped out all the trees when they built it. That happens. Uh, Post Oak Prairie, if they drive uh, construction equipment across the roots of post oak trees, it kills them in about a year or two. So what looks like trees is all of a sudden uh, going to be dead. It really sucks. And no matter how hard you try to save them. And... I ran on my old running route, and it's a it's paved sidewalk, but it goes through trees. It's got trees, thick trees on either side for, I don't know, 75% of it. There's rabbits and cats, and I was running the other morning, and a raccoon came at me. And I thought, oh, it's got rabies. It's coming at me. And then it was dark, and I was like, oh, well, it's dark, so maybe not. And then it turned around and ran away. <laughs> if raccoons come at you in the middle of the day, that's a bad sign. Um, they're supposed to be only active at night. Then, uh, so I noticed running down this trail with all this green lush that I just felt amazing, absolutely amazing. And I was like, okay, we got to move to the other side of the neighborhood. So moved to the other side of the neighborhood. That was about a year ago. And back to where it's green and lush. Problem is it's pretty hilly over there. So running up and down hills doesn't really help the injury. But psychologically, oh my gosh, it's great. So it's taken about a year. And like I talked on the talked about on the previous entry, um, really the plantar fasciitis seems to have gone away, and I feel like I'm able to actually run, run, you know, normally. The downside is is for the rest of the day I kind of have a limp, and that's not good. But then if I sleep in the boot overnight, the next morning I'm fine. So I, I think I'm on the uh, positive side of things and it's gonna keep healing. Hold on, recovery drink. I gotta get this drink in before I get to the work uh, parking lot. And I've slowly gone from uh, hardly putting out shows because I just didn't have the energy to suddenly wanting to put out shows more frequently just having a positive outlook on things. But what's really cool is, even though I knew I was going through a down period, I, was, I had the wherewithal to just gut it out. Where um, I remember when I was 18, 19 years old, I had a girlfriend break up with me. 
and I lived out of state. I lived in Chicago and she lived in Dallas. And oh my God, I wanted to kill myself. Almost. I was pretty close. Um, not with a gun, but I was I was on a, a five wheeler. It's one wheel in the front, four in the back, little John Deere pickup uh, four wheeler kind of thing. And I thought I could just drive this thing into a ditch and it'll all be over. I was so depressed and so sad. And knowing what I know now, um, and that thoughts are temporary, feelings are temporary. And after studying how your mind goes left and right and up and down, just with the slightest changes of your environment, um, to just gut it out and just wait and things should turn around. And they did. So, so far lately, I'm pretty excited. (laughs) Things could change again. Um, I feel really, really great. And something um, that really does it for me is having a weekend of really hard workouts. I would go surfing and surf for like two and a half, three hours. And then for like two days, just have this euphoric dopamine dump, you know, just like, oh, whoa, I just feel so great. When I lived in California and surfed all the time, (laughs) I'd have that like every other day. So great. But this weekend, I did three hours on Saturday and three hours on Sunday. And Sunday, it got hard. Like I said, it was tough. And I just felt um, today, starting yesterday afternoon, well, gosh, starting towards the end of that workout, I was like, this is it. This is the, uh, this is the strain that um, really makes you realize where you are. And um, I really enjoy that, I guess from experience. If it was the first time, I'd be like, oh my God. But knowing now, I'm like, oh, this is so good. I found the edge, you know, of where I'm at. Now I can define myself and go, okay. It's not where I wanted it to be. It was a little bit too soon, but I was like, okay, cool. Knowing is half the battle, yo, Joe. And I um, still had that feeling all yesterday evening I did some Boy Scout stuff and then um, this morning woke up just super positive and just feeling really great about everything Um, people with uh, ADHD a lot of times they have poor um, poor dopamine usage I don't remember exactly if it's a uptake or you know whatever there's a pickup truck in front of me that on the uh, rear quarter panel, it says country. <laughs> Spelled K-U-N-T-R-Y, like just redneck country. Anyway, I um, I feel that, that feeling of excitement. If you watch the old Highlander stuff, it's the quickening where things are starting to come together. I've been thinking about it a lot. There was a phase for a few years where I was just energetic and getting so much stuff done. I was unstoppable. And that's where um, I'd really, really like to get back to. You know, it doesn't have to be as fast or as, as extreme or anything like that, but just that attitude, that positive attitude coming from a feeling good, and so, yeah, I did uh, six hours over the weekend of some pretty intense stuff. And I feel great, absolutely great from it, which means I did it just right. Although I am, I am 
a little bit too tired. So I swam this morning and I wasn't able to keep my regular pace. But from all these years of experience, I'm like, yeah, you did extra. You did more than you usually did. And so it, it burns through your reserve. So you're not going to be quite as a uh, badass. I mean, the very next day, early in the morning, I mean, give me a break. Anyway, um, I think that's uh, where we'll leave it this uh, morning. And then uh, next we'll uh, put a bow on it and get out of here. All right, out, bang. All right, it is time to wrap up the show for real. Uh, just did a great run this morning. Second run in a row where I felt like I was actually running instead of protecting an injury. I didn't even know I was feeling like I was protecting an injury until the past two runs where I was like, man, I'm really running. <laughs> so again, a little bit to do with bike, improving the bike fit, taking the stress off the lower back. Um, finally, uh, sleeping in the night boot a lot. And then um, the letting uh, the calf, the mad calf, look up mad calf and about how people as we get older like we get calf issues where they tighten up suddenly and cause all kinds of problems and so sleeping in the night boot to uh, help with that and then last night um just i had the craziest amount of good attitude and energy and just positivity i wasn't even working out i uh had to go scout master a uh, boy scout meeting and beforehand and after i was just like almost bouncing off the walls with uh with positive energy not just energy but like positive energy and being funny and laughing and having a good time everything's great and i mostly attribute that to from what i can tell to um being able to run again and for me running just releases so much uh whatever all the, the happy chemicals are like dopamine and serotonin and all that good stuff so hopefully we can keep this upward trend going. Um, let's see, to wrap up the show, I need to remind you that you can find me as Zen Triathlon in lots of places. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. What's the other one? Um, Zwift. That's the other one. Zwift. Uh, Strava. I'm probably just Brett Blankner. And if you want to support the show, if you find this kind of stuff uh, interesting and helping you out, uh, show support is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to cut back on commercials so that we can just talk about the good stuff. And you can go to zentrathlon.com and look on the left-hand side, and there's a way to support the show through donations. You can do PayPal. And you can do a recurring donation or a one-time donation. And that is hugely appreciated. Uh, Emily... The, uh, the most beautiful triathlete wife ever is um, super supportive of uh, the show and uh, people helping out and because it helps pay the bills <laughs> and pays for bike maintenance. I think I need a new chain and a new rear cassette because I've pretty much shredded mine. It's skipping while I'm on the trainer. And the, uh, those kind of things really do help. And she said something about... I felt guilty, you know, because I trained three hours on Saturday and three hours on Sunday. And she said, no, I think it, I'm 45 years old. And uh, as a triathlete that's been training for, you know, 15, 20 years now, I don't know, uh, maybe it's 17 years. She said that, um, uh, no, I think it's super sexy that you're on the 
I walk by and you're on the trainer bike or I see you running, you know, up to the house or leaving the house to go run or getting ready to go run. And I'm so excited because so many more, so many people in their forties, um, aren't. And she, she, uh, likes it and, and thinks it's great. And the way I'm able to do it is, uh, through the podcast and keeping in touch with everybody. So she's super supportive and loves everybody out there, uh, participating and, and helping out. So there's all that. I had a nice talk with Kai last night about coaching and getting more into helping out with people with the podcast and stuff. And he was all into it. So yeah, everything is really, really cool. If you are interested in coaching, uh, send an email to Texafornia, T-E-X-A, Texafornia at gmail.com. And let's see if we can uh, add you in with coaching. I'm coaching a few people right now and I got a spot for one more, I think. And it kind of depends on what you want to do and how much uh, oversight you need. And we use training peaks, which is the industry standard. It is bad ass. And I custom build your workouts and put them in there. And then you get to interact with me. You get my insight, uh, 15 something years of training, racing and experience and Zen to help you out. All right, that is it. I got to go into W to the ERK. Everybody stay safe out there. You know what happens. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out.